in the offering. Well, let's pray for the word this morning. Jesus, we thank you for what you're about to do. Um, uh, in the way that you're going to uh, impact us. So we just pray for a sudden impact. Lord, we pray for that. Lord, surprise us. And uh, shock us. And uh, in a good way, you know. That's all I can think of. Amen. Turn to John 17. John 17. How many of you know that the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God? How many know that? John 17, verse 20. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is the real Lord's Prayer. This is the prayer that the Lord actually prayed for us. Um, John 17, verse 20. He prayed this, I do not ask... He prays to his father, I do not ask on these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also would be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them. Say this, the glory Glory. that you've given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, that they might be one. Just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they would be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even as I have loved them. This morning I want to talk about imitating God. And Jesus said this, He said, Father, I, I want to pray this prayer. I want to pray. You know, you know the way that you, you're in me and I'm in you? I want to pray that we would be in them and they would be in us. Now, there's another thing I want to pray too. You know the glory that you've given me? That glory, that same glory, I want to give it to them. And I want to do it so the world will know that you love me. How many of you know that God, the way that the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father, in, in the same way that the Son is in the Father, and the Father is in the Son. Did you notice that he didn't say like, he noticed he didn't use it as a metaphor. He said, the same way that you're in me, and I'm in you. Now that same way, I want us to be in them, and I want them to be in us. Now, I want you to turn to, um, well, how about Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This, you'll, you'll know these verses. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, everybody say us, make man in our own image. Everybody say image. According to our likeness, everybody say likeness. And let them rule over the fish, everybody say rule. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over, of, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. Everybody say own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
He made a male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. I want to stop there. Listen, if you only have two children, that's not called multiplying. That's just called adding. And I hope this podcast goes out to my children. Because two of them only have two. And I, I just don't see how that's obeying God. Besides that, who's ever heard of a tribe of seven? I need 12. Anyway, let's go on. God uh, blessed them and God said, be fruitful and... Oh, come on. Be fruitful and... (laughs) I like that. And fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, um, I want to just kind of start to develop uh, a thought here that we were made in God's image. I looked up the word, the Hebrew word image, and it means a form, um, a, a, a likeness, or a fandom of God. And uh, the Hebrew word for likeness means a figure, something that resembles, something that, that's of the same pattern. Um, and it means to be compared to, to be equal to, um, and it means to, be, to intend or to be like, or to be likened, or to be made like, or to be thought of like, or to resemble, or to be planned like. <laughs> that's pretty. That's a good word right there. <laughs> when you um, you were made in God's image, how many of you know that you were made like God? <laughs> that's a good word already. Okay, so did you get that? You were made to look like God. God said, let us, he didn't say let me, he said let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. When God made you, he made you to look like him. You're supposed to be the manifest presence of God on the earth. Now turn to 1 John 3, we're going to read several scriptures. Beloved, beloved, now we are children of God, verse uh, 2, John, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. But it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. Let's start over. Now, beloved, now we are children of God, and it's not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the Lord of glory, are being transformed into the same image, the, uh, image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. Let, let me just talk to you about this. How many of you know John, Jesus prayed in John, that we would, God, the Father would be in us, we would be in Him, just like they're in each other, that we would be in God. And we were made in God's image. And then John says, we don't know what we're, we know we're children of God right now, but we don't know what we're going to be. But we, knew that, we do know this. But when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. For we will see Him just as He is. And then, in Corinthians, Paul writes... With unveiled face, viewing as in a mirror the face of the Lord. And we're being changed from what? Glory to glory. How many of you know that, that 
There is the glory of man and the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says that there is the glory of the natural and there is the glory of the heavenly. You were born to carry the glory of God. Jesus prayed that you would receive the glory of God and that you would walk in the glory of God and that you would look like Jesus. (laughs) What are you being transformed into? The image of God. You are a Christian, a little Christ. When people see you, they're supposed to see God. Now, it says this, it says, Now, we don't know what we're going to be, but we know this. When we see Him, we'll be like Him. Because we'll see Him just as He is. And then it says that we're beholding, but with unveiled face, we're beholding as in a mirror, the Lord of glory. Why are we beholding the Lord as in in a mirror? Because He's our twin brother. We were made in His image. As we see God, we begin to become transformed into the image of our twin brother. Are you with me? In, in Genesis 30, and we've, we've talked about this several times, uh, so many times that maybe you get tired of hearing it. But this is the story of Jacob. And you remember that Jacob worked for his father, Leban, for, for 14 years. And then he was going to leave. And he makes this deal with his father-in-law. And I'll just make this part short. He makes this deal with his father-in-law that all the spotted and speckled sheep would be his. So his wage is spotted and speckled sheep and goats. And all the solid colored ones would be his father-in-law's. And then he does the craziest thing. One, you know, there's a lot of crazy things in the Bible, actually. But he does one of the crazy things in the Bible. He gets some branches. He carves spots and speckles in them. And he takes them down to the watering hole where the sheep and goats mate. And then he puts, when the, sheep, the strong sheep and goats mate, he puts the spotted and speckled stakes, sticks, in front of the, the sheep and goats. And you know what happens. The craziest thing happens. They reproduce offspring that are spotted and speckled. And so that what happens is, is that all of Jacob's flock becomes, the, all the strong become Jacob's flock because he only puts the, the stakes out there when the spotted, when the, I'm sorry, when the strong sheep and goats are mating, he puts the stakes out there. And when the feeble ones are mating, he doesn't. And he becomes wealthy because all the spotted and speckled sheep and goats are strong and are his. Now, how many of you know that God, that God writes the Bible in parables? Like, you could miss that truth. But that truth is not about sheep. It's about the way we reproduce in God. And we, what, what we imagine, we become. Right? We don't become what we want to become, but we are transformed. How are we transformed? By by what we see. But we reproduce. If we look at spotted and speckled things, we reproduce spotted and speckled things. We reproduce after what we imagine, what we perceive, what we view. Are you with me? Paul said that we're looking as, it says, look at this. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the Lord of glory. What's happening? The Lord of glory. What's happening? What are we being transformed to? From glory to glory, we're being transformed into the image of what? The Lord. You guys are right. We are looking at the Lord's glory and we're being transformed into the glory of the Lord. 
That's a good word. That's all right. You don't have to get excited yet. Somebody said that you are not what you think you are. And you are not what others think you are. But you become what you think others think you are. Follow me one more time. You are not what you think you are, and neither are you what others think you are. But you become what you think others think you are. Now, John Maxwell said this. He said, most of us become what the most important person in our life thinks we should become. Now, how many of you know that you got saved when Jesus, you got saved when you believed in Jesus, but you got transformed when you realized that he believed in you? Somebody once said, it's not who you believe in, but who believes in you that transforms you. Are you with me now? Now follow me. You are not what you think you are. You are not what others think you are. But you become what others think you are. And then John John Maxwell says, no, you you don't become what others think you are. You become what the most important person in your life thinks that you are. What you think they think you are. Did you get that? Okay, now follow me. If God is the most important person in your life, then you become what you think God thinks of you. Now, this is really important. You don't become what God thinks of you. You become what you think God thinks of you. Now, see, if you look at God with a veiled face, how many of you know that because of that veil, you become a perversion of yourself? There's only one reason why you need to be transformed, and that's because you were born deformed. Only things that are deformed need to be transformed. That's a good word right there. See, you become what you think God thinks of you. The problem is, is that if you don't know what God thinks of you, then you become a deformed Christ. Christian. Okay. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. John 14. I have my note someplace. It disappeared. John 14, Jesus. Well, let's just turn there. I know it's in the Bible. Verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. But where I am, there you'll be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. Show us the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you have known the Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said um, to him, Lord, uh, show us the Father and it's enough. Jesus said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know 
me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? And the works that I do, the works that I say, I'm sorry, the words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me, he does his works. Believe in me and that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me. Otherwise, believe on the count of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works even than these shall he do, because I go to be with the Father. This is amazing. Jesus said, You know, if you know me, you would know the Father. And, and, and Philip says, Lord, you know what? Why don't you show us the Father? And he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, let's, let's clear this up. First of all, is Jesus saying he's the Father? No. He's not saying he's the Father because he's praying to the Father. How many know that Jesus isn't praying to himself? He's praying to the Father. How many of you know this is the basic doctrine of the Trinity? That when Jesus got baptized, that someone else actually spoke out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, who I'm well pleased. And Jesus wasn't talking to himself. He was talking, the Father was talking to him. When God said in Genesis 1, Let us make man in our own image, He didn't say, Let me. He said, Let us. And how many of you know that God is love? And that love isn't love unless it gives. God so loved the world that He Gave. And how many know that God existed before anything? That there was a time when God was alone. And if God was one person, how many of you know that God couldn't love because love requires giving? <laughs> Jesus isn't saying, I'm the Father. He's saying, I am the perfect reflection, the perfect manifestation of the Father. And if you know me, you know the Father. I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. And, and, and let me tell you something, Philip. I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. And if you don't believe it because of my words, believe it because of my works. Now, how many of you know that you're in the Father, and the Father's in you? And if you don't believe me, believe it because of the works. How many of you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? I'm not the father, but I'm a chip off the old block. Are you, are you getting this at all? Ephesians, we're going to read it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be imitators of God. Who do you think you are, God? Mm, I'm trying to act like him. Be imitators of God. What's he telling you to do? Act like God. What did Jesus say? Greater works shall you do when I go to be with the Father. And then he said, if you, if you don't believe my words, that the, that the Father's in me, then believe my works. And then he said, guess what? You're going to do them too. Why? Because I prayed this prayer for you. I prayed that, the, that, that I would be in you, you would be in me, and you would all be in the Father. And the Father, the glory the Father gave me, I give to you. How many of you know that either you have the glory of the Father in you, just like Jesus did, or Jesus had an unanswered prayer. Either you have the glory of the Father, or Jesus had a prayer that the Father refused to answer. 
Because Jesus said, the same glory that you gave me, I want to give them. Either the Father did not answer that prayer, or you have glory that you don't know about. It's up to you. You have to decide whether you rock or whether God decided to not answer Jesus' prayer. Isaiah cried, I will not share my glory, God said through Isaiah. I will not share my glory with another. But guess what? You're not another. It gets worse. <laughs> Ephesians 5.1. Let's look at it together. Ephesians 5.1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. The Greek word imitator means a mimic. Mimic God. Man, you just think you're so... You think you... What are you trying to be? Holy or something? Holier than thou? Well, it depends on who thou is. I'm definitely trying to be holy. But you just, you, you just think you're perfect. I'm trying to be. I'm, I'm trying to mimic God. How many know that Ephesians 5.1... It's, it's, well, in fact, we could just, it's in there. We could read it, actually. Listen, I'll read you just a few. The verses. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But... Do not let immorality or impurity or greed or even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jest, jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving you thanks. For know this for certain, that no immoral, impure person or covetous man shall inherit the kingdom of Christ. How many know that the first way that you're imitating God is you're taking on the character of God? Paul said this in Galatians 4, 19. My children in whom I labor, I'm again in labor until Christ is formed in you. How many of you know that Christ is being formed in you? That he's putting you on like a glove. God is the ultimate body snatcher. Listen, seriously. He came into your body, killed the man who was in there, took over the house. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives. He came, he's the ultimate body snatcher. He came into your body, killed the man who lives in there, and started taking over the place. And how many of you know that Christ is being formed in you, and as Christ is being formed in you, get this, Christ is being formed in you, and what's happening? He's putting on skin. And little by little, you're starting to look like Christ. He's like, he's putting on your skin. I killed the guy who's in here. And now it's no longer he who lives, but I who live within him. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, <laughs> Are you getting that? And what happens? We're being transformed. Why are we being transformed? Because when Christ was born in us, He was born deformed. How many of you know that whenever we don't see Christ the way that He is, that we reproduce a God who's deformed? Now, I know that you think that I said that we reproduce a Christ, a God, who is, looks to people to be deformed. But He's the head and He's perfectly formed and we're the body. And when we aren't transformed, when we don't see God, when we see God behind the veil and not the way He is, how many of you know that instead of being transformed, we become deformed. How many of you know that when you see God, we don't know what we'll be, but we know this. When we see Him, the way that He is, we'll be transformed into His image. But how many of you know when we don't see God the way that He is, He becomes transformed into our image? And how many of you know the result? That we end up with a deformed Christ. That revelation releases, you are a Christian, you are a little Christ. Revelation releases transformation so that as we begin to see him, we begin to be transformed. Now, well, let me just, we'll read on just a few minutes and then we'll come back to this. Are you guys all right? Don't get mad at me yet. I'll finish. Now, Turn to Psalms 82, and I want you to look at it just so you'll know it's in the Bible. Psalms 82, verse 5. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, all of you who are sons of the Most High. Now I want you to turn now to John 10. John 10. Verse 33. In fact, I'm going to start from verse 31. And I'm going to first read you out of the New American Standard, and then I want to read you out of the Amplified. Listen to this. The Jews took up stones, again to stone him, speaking of Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered and said, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, made yourself out to be God. Jesus answered and said, Has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called you gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture can't be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you're blasphemed because I said I'm the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Now let me read you out the Amplified, verse uh, 33. The Jews replied, 
We are not going to stone you for a good work, for a good act, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, made yourself out to be God. Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? So men are called God's by the law. Men to whom God's message came, and the scripture cannot be set aside, canceled, or broken, or annulled. If it is true, do you say that the one whom the Father consecrated and dedicated and set apart for himself and sent into the world, you are blasphemy? Because I said, I'm the Son of God. Now, before we, we move into talking about this, I've read these scriptures for years and years and years, and I've never one time taught on these verses. Because I, I ministered to a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I ministered to a lot of Mormons, and these are two of their key verses. But I want to tell you something. I'm pretty sick of the occults stealing our stuff. I'm tired of the cult and the occult stealing our stuff. And I've realized last night flying home that I have an inheritance that I don't go into that land because someone stole my stuff. And, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe they have a, a Bible called the New World Translation. I've led a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses to the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Weirboy, I led so many Jehovah's Witnesses to the Lord that they sent their head theologian to Weaverville, believe it or not. And he stayed five days at my, at my um, shop, and he followed me around for five days to try to convert me. That's the truth. And I finally told him, listen, I will become a Jehovah's Witness See, the, uh, Jehovah's Witness believes that Jesus is a God. They re, they've changed in the New World Translation, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They changed that to the Word was a God. And they believe that Jesus is a God, like, you know, like a little ruler. He's a God. But they don't believe that He is the only begotten of the Father, and He is God that needs to be worshipped. Are you with me? So I told them, I said, I'll tell you what, they told their, their head theologian, if you could tell me why Jesus, why Paul and Silas ripped their clothes when people worshipped them, but why Jesus allowed worship. I just asked him a question, said, is it only God who's supposed to be worshipped? Yes. Then why did Jesus allow worship? If you could tell me that, I'd become a Jehovah's Witness. So that took five days, and I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, so you can figure that out. <laughs> and the Mormons believe that Jesus is an example of what we can become. In other words, that he's an, ex- he's an example that we can become God. And that, we can, that Jesus, Jesus was a man who became God so that we are men who can become God. How many of you know those are both perversions of the truth? The Bible says that, there's the, that Jesus is, listen to this, the only begotten Son. You will never become the only begotten Son, don't matter what you do. Clear? And you will never be God. You'll never be the creator. You'll never be the Messiah. You'll never be the savior of the world. Don't matter how much you get this part of this next message I'm about to preach. You understand that? So did everyone get that? Okay, now. But you can't ignore the fact that Jesus quotes Psalms 82, which says, Did I not say you are gods? And God spoke to uh, to. In the book of Exodus, chapter 4, Moses, God is talking to Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm going to send you to, um, to the Israelites who are captive, da-da-da, wah-wah-wah, and so on and so forth. And Moses says, no, I can't go, I don't speak well, and you know, you know this whole conversation, right? You've seen the movie, at least. And God gets angry, and he says this, fine, 
Your brother Aaron speaks well, does he not? I will send Aaron, and listen to this, and he shall be to you your prophet, and you shall be to him his God. How many of you know that you are God to this world? On the foundation of what I already laid before, I understand that that statement by itself is heresy. Put it in the context of how we began this conversation. That you are God to the world. And that you are the only God that many people see. And that, Are you with me? That you are little Christ. And that God sent you out into the world and He's in you and you are in Him and you're doing greater works so that people will believe that you are sent from the Father. If they've seen you, they've seen the Father. Am I not? If I'm saying there's no Father, of course I'm not. Am I saying that you're the Messiah? Of course I'm not. Am I saying that you're going to be God in the sense that you're the deity? of No, of course I'm not. I'm saying that Jesus said you are God's. That He sent you out to be God to the world. And that what happens is, is that when we, when we do not see the glory of the Lord, we represent, we, we become a deformed Christ. Now, the, the head is perfectly formed, but the body becomes deformed. Now, I know that you think that I said that the world sees us, sees God, not as He is. But I'm saying to you that because He's the head and we're the body... That, he, that we actually, the world actually sees God as He is, in that His body is not the body, His body is actually deformed, which is a part of God. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we're misrepresenting God, I'm saying we're not being God to the world that God intended us to be to the body, to the world. And that we, because we haven't seen God the way that He is, we haven't been transformed in the, the body. The Christ is growing in us, but the reason why we need to be transformed is because when, he, when we birth Christ in us, we, we birth the deformed Christ. Let's say, for instance, that you are supposed to be the hand. The hand. Because how many of you know we're all different parts? Let's say you're supposed to be the hand. And you think that God is mad at you. That God's angry, he's a mad God. So guess what happens? Remember, you don't, you don't become what you want to become. You become what you think the most important person in your world thinks you should be. But what you think God thinks of you isn't accurate. Now, what happens? You become what you think he thinks of you. And you think he thinks you're a sinner. You, he, you think that he thinks that since you got saved, you're still a sinner. How many of you know you were a sinner? For some of the guests, you were a sinner, but how many know when you received Jesus, you became a saint? But you don't know that. Now, what happens? Are you, are you a sinner or a saint? Well, let me tell you something. If you believe you're a sinner, by faith, you became a sinner trying to represent God. But you are God to the people. What's, what's happening? What, what, are, what are you? You're a deformed hand. Because you don't see God the way that He is. And so you become... It isn't that you're just misrepresenting God. It's that the part of God that you are supposed to be to the world is is actually deformed. 
It's deformed. It got birthed. Listen, there's only one reason why you need to be transformed. It's because you, you got deformed. And when you see him, you become like him. So, so you, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't minister to people in the love of God because you only know the anger of God. And you're reproducing that God to other people. Are you with me? But suddenly, how many of you know, as you get revelation of Jesus, every time you see God clearer, you're transformed into that image. Why? Because you were originally made in his likeness. What's God trying to get you to do? He's trying to get you back to what he made you in the first place, in his image and in his likeness. His likeness means in his form. He's trying to get you back to the form that he created you in the first place. So when you see him, you can't have a revelation of God and not have it change you. Because you were made to look just like your twin brother. Are you with me? So when you see God, so suddenly let's, let's like make it practical for a minute. Let's say you learn your hand and you suddenly, and you, you hand, but you don't know anything about fivefold ministry. And suddenly you get a revelation about fivefold ministry. And what happens? The hand begins to go from being deformed to being transformed. And suddenly you know about fivefold ministry. And what happens? It's not that the body of Christ suddenly is representing Christ right and it wasn't before. It's the body of Christ was literally, literally the body of Christ literally was deformed. It wasn't representing Christ like he was deformed. He literally was deformed. Because you are the body. And you were deformed. But as we get revelation, what happens? We start to get transformed. And we start to be the God to this world. The body part, obviously. The God to this world that he designed us to be. Are you with me? Yes. Right now we're a little Frankensteinish. <laughs> How many of you know what I mean? But God wants to begin. God is in the process of showing us who he is. Why does he show us who he is? Because as soon as we see who he is, he began to become it. With unveiled face, we're beholding as in a mirror. What are we supposed to be? The reflection of our Father. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. The image of God We're being transformed from what? Glory to glory. As God is in Christ. Did you get that? He snatched your body, killed the man inside, and now it's Christ in you. No longer do I live. 
You say, well, you know what? Aren't you afraid you're going to get arrogant? Well, you gotta, let me make this really clear. The clearer I see God and the greater glory that he creates in me, the more astonished I am that he could do so much with so little. How many of you are like that? I mean, he made Adam out of dirt. I made woman out of a rib. Honey, you were made from my rib. Well, you were made from dirt. Well, he made me first, so therefore I must be over you. Well, he made the animals before you, honey. So I don't know what that says about Fifi. How many of you know that when you have a real revelation, follow me for a minute, when you have a real revelation that you're being transformed by His power into His image, the first thing that occurs to you is, like, like I got saved at 18. I tried to fix me. I mean, I wasn't even trying to fix me in the image of God. I was just trying to fix me in the best image Chris could be. And that never worked. I am astonished at what he does with so little. Are you, are you like that too? You're like, like, it always shocks me. Like when something just wonderful happens in my life, I'm like, how did that happen? How many of you know that the truth is, is that when you see the glory that he's transforming you into, it's so, the greater the glory that you see he's doing in your life, Honestly, that just that process keeps you humble because you're like, that's amazing. Other people come up and they go, man, that's amazing what you did. You think you're, you think you're amazed. I remember being dirt. I remember being dirt. But how many of you know, like feeling bad about yourself? If you made you, then I don't know, it might be some level of humility. But you didn't make you. I don't know, that's a good word right there. You know, let me, let me tell you, let's be practical for a minute. What does it mean to be humble? It means that you're teachable, impressionable, pliable, correctable, and hurtable. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If somebody comes to you and tries to bring... I mean, even if they're wrong, follow me for a minute. Let's say somebody comes to you and tries to bring some correction or redirection to you. And before you even hear, you're already talking. you got 48 reasons why they're wrong. And you're waiting for them to stop just so you can talk. How many of you know you're not listening? How many of you know that's arrogance? Why? You're not impressionable. You're not teachable. You're not hurtable. Are you following me? How do I know if I have... How many know that arrogance and confidence looks the same from the outside? Let's be real. If you see somebody who's extremely confident, you're not sure. If you don't know them, you're not sure if they're arrogant. That's the truth. How do you know if, if, if you personally are dealing with confidence or arrogance? Because we need that in our own life, right? None of us want to be arrogant. No one can stand around. No one can stand to be around somebody who's self-made, and their whole world revolves around them. How many of you know that? Nobody likes that. 
And when people hear a message like this, they're like, well, there's that. People are going to be gods and we're all going to make people gods. And it's back to, you know, it's humanism again. It's God as man. No, it's God who made you as he's the, it's his work in you. How do you know if you, if you're growing in arrogance or you're growing in pride or you're growing in confidence? And how many of you know we're commanded to have confidence? He says that you are not like those who shrink back. I take no pleasure in people who shrink back, but I take pleasure in people who come boldly before the throne. How many of you know you're commanded to not shrink back? Oh, you're amazing. Oh, it ain't me. God says, don't you talk like that, boy. I take no pleasure in those people who shrink back. You stop talking like that. But how do you know if that really, it could be arrogance growing in you, could it not? How do you know? Well, I can tell you that the Lord will send people by to test you. No, I'm really serious. It's just a test. And sometimes he will, he will allow people to believe that there's something wrong in you that even isn't wrong. And the, listen, the test isn't whether or not they got that right. The test is whether or not you're impressionable. Are you teachable? Are you correctable? Are you leadable? Are you hurtable? Because if you defend yourself before you listen, you have arrogance in your life and pride, and you need to get rid of it. How many of you know that Jesus called his disciples apostles? Are you with me? He called them apostles. But did you notice that even after he named them apostles, several times he calls them disciples? You know why? You never grow out of being a disciple because the word disciple means learner. I don't care if you were an apostle, you were a prophet, you were evangelist, pastor, you Billy Graham. You're still a disciple. You can't outgrow being a disciple because if you outgrow being a disciple, then you're not impressionable, teachable, correctable, and hurtable. And when you stop being hurtable and correctable and teachable, you got arrogance growing in your life. And your arrogance may look like this. I'm nobody, I'm nothing. You know what you are? You're the center of your own attention. How many know if you feel bad about yourself, you're still thinking about you? I'll tell you, I see more arrogant people who are, feel bad about themselves than arrogant people who feel good about themselves. And all of us see both. I mean, every time you talk to somebody, they're, their, they're, their own, they're, the, they're, the, they're the center of their own attention. They're their best subject. Let me tell you how else I'm hurting. I just did a discovery and there's four other broken things in me. Dude, why don't you get your head out of your navel? And I'm just, no, I'm just a broken, I'm just nobody. I'm just, man, you are arrogant. Because you are the center of your world. You understand this? How many of you know we all have done that? I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to us. And some of you just got an owie. You just got an impression. I just left an impression on you. It looked like that. You got the five-fold ministry. But guess what? The fact that it hurt is a sign that you are alive. Man, so-and-so hurt me. That's awesome. That's so good. 
No, they hurt me. That's awesome. It's so good. Why is it good that they hurt me? It tells me that you left your armor off. That's good. You're impressionable. When nobody can hurt you, you worry me. Are you with me? So I'm telling you that you were born to be amazing. You were born to carry the glory of God. Jesus had an answered prayer and you were his answered prayer. And Jesus said, Father, I want the glory that you gave me. I want you to give it to them. I want them to walk in the glory you gave me. Lord, I want them to be walking little Christ. How about that? And not only that, hey, Lord, I got this idea. How about we do this? How about we gave them greater works than I did? And the works that I did, what did they tell people? That I came from the Father. And that I'm in you and you're in me. Hey, I got an idea. Beans, we're, we're going to be in them and they're going to be in us and we're going to give them the glory. Why don't we do this? Why don't we have them do greater works so people will know that they're in me and I'm in them and we're all in you? How about if we give them works that show that this is evident that they are actually a chip off the old block? That they are actually God to the world? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, if you see me, you see the Father. Am I saying you're the Father? No. Was Jesus saying he was the Father? No. He was just saying, I look just like him, man. At the place that you believe that you know it all, at that place, you stop learning. At the place where you believe you know it all. Think about it, whatever. You're, uh, you're a welder. At the place you believe that you've learned everything about welding, at that place, you've learned no more. You're whatever you are. Whatever you're, your expertise, you're an expert in a certain area. If you become an expert and you are deceived into believing that you know it all, at that place, you've not learned anymore. How many of you know we never want to grow to a place where we believe that we know it all, that we've seen it all. I believe that Bethel Church is a great place of revelation, but guess what? Every time I see, every time I learn something, there's a hundred things. Every time I learn this, it's attached to now a hundred more things that I didn't know, but I don't know. And your identity works like that. Every time God goes, hey, look at who I am. And you go, well, that's amazing. How many of you know that it opens up 50 other mysteries about who, he, who you don't know who he is? And this morning, I want to challenge you to not be deformed anymore. Come to Jesus so you could be like me. He will kill you and take your body over. Come to our laboratory. I mean church. (laughs) We call Bethel the great experiment and I'm the last lab experiment. (laughs) Yeah, that, we're working on that. (laughs) Just waiting for a new revelation so I could pop out and be myself. Hey, you know what? Ain't got her all working, but never used to have this one working and got her working pretty well now. So 
this one's got hope. <laughs> I mean, you know, used to be dragging both legs. <laughs> so I am being transformed. It's just a slow process, if you know what I mean. I'm kind of waiting for the 10 feet ministry instead of the five fold. You know what I'm saying? So I can like uh, walk as Christ walked. <laughs> anyway, um, on that note, uh, Lance, why don't you come up and see if you can fix this. What? Why don't you all stand up? We're just, we're just going to pray together. And it's a good word for, I think, good word for every one of us. A new day is dawning, right? The church being empowered to live as God would have the church live. And I think, you know, those verses that Chris read, we could, like, we could just camp on one of those verses for months. But I don't know if you can feel the bottom line of that message. And that bottom line to me is just the empowerment of God to live as God in the earth. Another, another verse in 1 John says that as he is, so are we in this life. And so, God, we, we thank you for that charge to be imitators of God. Because we are dearly loved by you, because we are your children, that we can reflect you fully in the earth. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do your job to empower the church. Holy Spirit, that you would release us from mindsets that hold us back. And you just continue to encourage and affirm the truth of God in our lives. That your strength is operative in us. That your power is alive in us. That your love is alive in us. And any of us that feel hindered, any of us that feel restricted, that we just feel the prayer of Jesus in our spirit, that you're crying for your glory to be manifested in us. And I thank you for that, that charge that you said that we would even do greater works than you did. That's pretty amazing. Jesus said that we would even do greater works than he did. So we want you guys to go stoked today, right? We want you to leave this place completely empowered and just knowing the life of God is in you. Amen? Good. So we bless you. Have a great Sunday. If, you're, if you've come in need of a miracle, um, we're seeing miracles just by the cartload, I, fe- I actually just heard a story of, of a woman who had lost her auditory nerve.